Hey guys, it's Jerry, and uh, today's interview is extremely emotional, and I don't typically give out trigger warnings, but this does deal with the death of a child, and uh, if that's something that you feel like that you'll struggle hearing, then you may want to skip this one, but I will say there is some very, very good information at the end of this from a grieving mother that may help those of you who have been in that same situation. And um, uh, it's one of those catch-22s to where I want to tell you, you may not want to listen, but at the same time, I want to tell you that it might actually be something that can give you some comfort and um, uh, just another way of coping. So uh, do with that what you will. But uh, this interview is from Trina, and like I said, it's... Um, it's a very emotional interview, so it will tug at your heartstrings regardless uh, if you've been in that situation where you've lost a child or not. Because trust me, we, we've all been in a situation where we've been either scared that that was going to happen or just the thought of it brings you to tears. So um, that's kind of the way the story is. Hey, guys, I have a longtime listener, Trina from Ohio on and I love to have longtime listeners on, uh, especially for the first time after this long. Trina, thanks for coming on with us. Pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Trina, uh, you know, sometimes in life, uh, tragedy will kind of break away, we'll say, for new insights in life. And I think that's along the lines of uh, of what we're going to talk about today with you. Uh, unfortunately, you've suffered the loss of a child, but it sounds like that you've had some enlightenments along the way because of that, that you may not have had uh, otherwise, though that's a horrible way to, to get those insights. But I am curious to hear some of your stories because they sound fascinating. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and let me let, let you tell me your story the way you want to tell it. Okay. Um, just wanted to say that that is the one thing that, um, you know, like when you think about losing a child, you know, what good can come from that? And I think the collateral damage from losing my son is uh, I've learned that there is God. I've learned that there's life after this. And there's been lots of life affirming things that have happened since, since then. Um, so uh, I lost him. He was, his name was Ryan. He was seven years old. Uh, we were in the Bahamas on vacation. We uh, had a jet ski accident. And um, he was on the jet ski with me, sitting behind me, when the other jet ski hit us. And the direction that it hit us, it broke his neck instantly. And um, so before this happened, I literally had no, I mean, I was raised in the Catholic church, but I didn't really know what to think or really have a whole lot of faith. Um, I just wasn't sure. And so my biggest um, stressor, aside from him being gone, was panicking because I was like, if there is something after this, I was concerned about him 
in his mindset because he was such a mama's boy. And I was like, oh my God, is he freaking out? You know what I mean? What, you know, where's my mom, you know? And so I just started walking around the house, looking at his pictures, talking to him and say, if, if you can find a way to get in touch with me, please let, please do so, please. I need, you know, I need to know that you're okay. So this went on for about nine months. And one day my ex-husband called me and said a guy that he works with, his wife has a message for us from our son. And they live an hour away. And I'm like, that's like super crazy. But of course I'm intrigued. So I, I wind up talking to her and boy, my son, well, first off, you know, everyone says their kid is smart, but it, I, I, I could tell when he was here, like he was an old soul. He had, he had terminology that was way beyond his years. And, um, and so I wasn't surprised at all when she was telling me, she was like, he's really good. She said, because the things that he's told me he's done and he can do, she said, it takes time to learn once you get there. And he's, he's caught on like that, she said. And he was, he knew that I would question and that his dad would question the validity of everything she's saying. So he was extremely specific and things that he told her that there's no way she, she could have known, like beginning with his nickname that I have for him, even his father didn't know that because it's so unique. And like she was able to tell me what was in the top drawer of his dresser right then and there, what his favorite pair of shoes were, what his favorite toy was. You know, she was able to tell me he got, you know, medals for swimming, swim meets. Like, it, 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 at that point, it was like, okay, this, he's, he's alive. He's not dead. And so one of, you know, one of the messages he was giving me was, you know, it wasn't my fault that it was just his time. And um, he had confirmed that all the stuff that was happening around the house was him. Because she was telling, he was telling her, well, you know, he didn't understand why she could see him, why she could hear him. But we, meaning me and his two sisters, couldn't because all this stuff that had been happening around the house, he's like, she's not hearing me. They're not seeing me. And she literally was able to tell me exactly all the things that had been happening in the house. So it started with electrical stuff first lights would just turn off and on TVs would turn off and on. Um, one day I'm at work, school had just started back and I knew my daughter's going to have a hard time going to school without their little brother, like they're used to. And I got a call from the school. My daughter's crying. She's upset. So I have to leave work to go get her. I get in the car. The radio's not even on, and you know I'm crying. I'm stressed out on the way to school to get her, and the next thing you know, my my stereo just turns on, and it's playing a song by Buck Cherry. It says I'm sorry, 
And when I asked her about that, I was like, why did he choose that song? You know, because like he didn't do anything wrong. And he, she's like, no, he's just, he's sorry that you guys are hurting. He's sorry that he's gone and that you guys have to feel this way. And um, I had a touch lamp in my house. Of course, the older kind, you touch once, twice, threes, and it, you know, gets lighter and lighter. Uh, he had been doing that. Um, a remote controlled truck and we had the remote sitting right in front of us would all of a sudden just start going across the floor my oldest daughter would get up and run out of the room she's freaking out I'm sitting in the house at night my girls were gone and um, I was there was a two level house and I was on the bottom level the whole house is hardwood floors and I'm sitting there alone, three o'clock in the morning, and I hear running across the top above me. And man, you talk about goosebumps. You talk about getting scared. I'm like, somebody here. There's, I mean, I had to get up and go check. Come back down. It happens again. There's no entryway up there. There's no doors. Even there's, there's only really small windows, not even big enough where someone could climb in or out of. So it was like super freaky. And so um, then one, oh, then another night I was in bed. It, I'm telling you, it, it was always like a lot of times when I had these experiences, it was right around three o'clock in the morning. And at that time, I had no idea what that meant. Right. Uh, and given that it was all hardwood floors, so I had hardwood steps. So I'm upstairs laying in my bed. The door opens. And at that time, I had just had a boyfriend I broke it off with. So I thought maybe, you know, he still had a key to the house. I thought maybe he came back up here trying to fix things between us. So I, you know, I hear the steps come, you know, I hear each step coming up. I'm like, God, I'm not in the mood for this. And the last step gets to the top and I don't see anybody, but I had this huge, intense feeling like somebody's there and looking at me. Super, super freaked out. Goosebumps, hair stood up on my head, everything. And it, there's just, I, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew I was not going crazy. So after I found out all this, once I, you know, talked to her and now, you know, her and I have become lifelong friends since then. Um, so ever since I found out, I started recording stuff and I would like, he liked to play with a remote controlled truck. So I would say, okay, go ahead and go forward. He would go forward. He'd run it into the wall and I'd say, okay, back up. Then he'd back up and I'd say, turn the wheels. He'd turn the wheels and I'd say, go forward and go forward. So, I mean, you, there's intelligence behind that when you see that. So it was like, wow, you know what I mean? You could not deny that. And I had a witness. His dad was there at the time when that happened on top of the fact that I recorded it. And in the recording, I show the remote is laying on the floor. So no one can be touching it. And then like the lamp that he would play with, I could tell him, go, you know, turn it on for me he'd turn it off and vice versa and it 
it was really, really um, a good feeling to get that um, affirmation that he's not dead. And in fact, that's one of the things that he like corrected me on very early on. He said, please stop saying I'm dead. I'm not dead. You know, there is no death. And he didn't like it when we went to the cemetery. He's like, that's not where I am. Like, you don't need to go there. That's not where I am. So to this day, um, I go there maybe once, maybe twice a year to check, make sure everything's good. But other than that, I really don't go. Because, like, you know, I ever since then, I've, I've tried to reverse it. You know, what if, what if this was me? How would I think? What would I want? And, and so then I started really seeing it even better from his perspective. So, um, so it has taken the sting out of it, but it's still very, very difficult not to be able to see him physically feel him. It's still hurtful, but, um, as time went on my, for some reason, my youngest daughter, Brittany seemed to have a third eye open. She was 12. She was 11 at the time of the accident, but I want to say around 12 and 13 years old. Um, well, let me back up by saying after this happened, her and I both struggled with insomnia. You know, I, I learned firsthand, like I used to see movies and, you know, there'd be a loved one passed away and then their mother would run up on the scene and someone would grab them and try to say, don't look, don't look. And I'm like, oh, they just don't want them to see it. And I'm like, no, I get it now. They don't want those images. They're trying to prevent them from having those images in their head. Because once that's in there, boy, it haunts you. And that's what kept me and Brittany up at night. The visions of the accident, the blood, all of that. And so we could not sleep. And so she um, would be up late a lot. And if she's really troubled, she would come get me. And she would often, she would often hear him audibly, like not in her head, out loud, saying her name, telling her he loved her, telling her it's not her fault because she was driving the other jet ski. So then it escalated from that to she started seeing him. And it was funny because when she would see him around the house, it would be at different times of the day and night. So during the day when she would see him, he'd have on day clothes. At night, she said he would be in his pajamas. And it's like, wow, they don't sleep. So I'm like, why do they change their clothes? Weird. But um, so once she got, I think once she had enough experience with that and got comfortable with that, I think they all just decided, okay, let's come on in. And she would uh, just get random spirits coming to her. And sometimes that would freak her out and she would come get me. So one particular time, um, a lady. Trina, can I, can I stop you for a second before we, before we move on? When you said that that uh, she was on the other jet ski, was that the jet ski that caused the collision, or was she just? Yes. Okay. Okay, that must be so horrible for her to live with because I'm sure 
she probably has just thoughts that you know if i'd have done this different or if i'd have done that different oh oh yes oh yeah it's it's been a lifelong like she's 27 now it's been a lifelong journey to get her to accept that it was not her fault that it was just his his time because that's what he said he said you know unfortunately this is how i left but he said, I promise you, if I hadn't gone that way, I would have gone another way. It, you know, it, it's, it's not anyone's fault. Okay. So it, it, it's taken a long time for her to get there. Yeah, I, did, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you, but I thought that's oh, what no, you might no. have meant. And I just wanted to kind of clarify my mind moving forward uh, with the story. So, okay. So, oh, no. you were... so she comes and gets me and... She's freaked out because she sees this lady who had been in a car accident and she said her head was all bloody. Like she said, she wasn't visually there in front of her, like how I see you, but she said she could see her in her mind's eye. And so, you know, I'm trying to calm her down. And so at this point, you know, I have a little bit experience to say, okay, well, if they're there, it's for a reason. Like they're trying to get a message out or something. So I said, well, just ask her what she wants. No, I'm sorry, but back that up. I, I said, what's her name? See if you can find out her name. So then she got a name. We wrote it down on paper. And then I said, ask her what she wants. And it took a little time for her to get that, like to get clarity on it, like asking over and over. But eventually she said, I want to get a message to my mom. She was like 22, 23 and the message was just simple like tell her I'm okay I'm fine it was it that's all she had to say like okay she gave us the phone number we wrote it down we called the next day and asked for she gave us her mom's name the lady answered it was her Needless to say, we're a little freaked out. Like now I felt for the first time what the girl who came to me and gave me the message for my son, I felt how she felt. I'm like, oh God, this lady's going to think we're nuts, nuts. And first thing she says is, how do you know my name? How did you get my phone number? And you had to say your daughter. And she immediately got it. That's a tough one explained. Right. And I'm just, we're stuck. Like, how in the world did we get a freaking phone number? Like, that's crazy. An actual phone number. So um, she was, you could tell, it didn't matter. No, it didn't matter how long we were on the phone. You could tell she was super skeptical of what we're saying. We're like, look, we have no reason to make this up. Like, I'm just trying to give the message and that's it. And I'm sorry, like, do with it what you will. But I'm just trying to give the message out. Brittany just said she got the overwhelming feeling that she had to tell her this. Like, we have to tell her. Brittany couldn't do it, so I had to talk to her. So, um, I I think the other biggest scary thing for Brittany was when we moved out of that house and into the house I'm in now. And she kept seeing a little girl here constantly 
constantly two to three years old she said she said she was in a white period dress she had long blonde hair we tried researching to see if there was you know any deaths in the area in this house or anything. couldn't couldn't find anything but she kept seeing her she kept seeing her at the end of the step at the bottom of the step she kept seeing her going into the bathroom um, she would look at Brittany, but she wouldn't say anything. And it would just, it would just really freak her out. And then, um, here at this house, also, both of my daughters would have their friends come over. You know, girls always want to have sleepovers. And almost every time, almost every time they would see my son. Some of them would get scared and call their mom and want to come home. And uh, others were just like, oh, my God, he's here. Like, I can see him. So that that was interesting. And it frustrating for me because I'm like, oh, Brittany's seeing him. All the, their friends are seeing him. Why can't I see him? I just wanted to see him so bad. But. I've never seen him or heard him. I can see him and hear him in, 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 in my conscious, but not audibly and visually. Um, so the downside of this that probably was the scariest was his father. His father was like me didn't really have um belief or faith before this happened and that did not change after the fact like even though he believed that that was a legitimate message from our son that was kind of where it ended for him like he did he had no interest in looking further into it or having any belief and and in fact he went the complete opposite way and literally was cursing God out loud, screaming at God, you know, F you, F you, there's no God, God, you know, if there was, why would he take my son? And we could never get him to a place of acceptance at all. And I think it started wearing on him. And we all started noticing a difference in him and his behavior and how he was acting. Super, super negative. Um, was really snappy. He started getting really nasty. And my daughters would call me crying. You know, I want to come home. I don't want to be here with dad. And, you know, he'd snatch the phone, you know, this is before cell phones. So he'd snatch the phone out of their hand and say, I'm, I'm bringing them home right now. And, you know, when I, and then when I would see him, there was just something different in his face. He just, he did not look like himself when I looked in his eyes. What is wrong with him? And, you know, this kept going on for a long time. Probably a couple years and it really started putting a wedge between him and his daughter's relationship. And um, 
one day he came over, he's standing in the doorway and it was nighttime and there were no lights on because I think I had just gotten home or something. And so I didn't even have a front porch light on. So I went to open the door and I, I walked, I turned around and I walked away. I was like, come in. And I turned around to walk away and I looked back to say something. And just then I see him standing in the doorway, but above him, behind him was this very, very tall black figure, taller than like almost to the ceiling. And it was massive and it was, it was wider than him too. And it was like everything you've ever seen in a movie when you see a demon. I could, there was no facial features, but you, there was, you know, like the shape of a head and like there was something like a cloak or something over the head, but it was massive. And boy, you talk about being freaked out. um, I don't remember what I said to him. I just knew that that was with him or attached to him. And I was like, you need to go. I turned right back around and I pushed him out the front door. I said, you need to leave. You, You cannot come in. And he's looking at me and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. Like, I can't talk to you right now. I'll talk to you later. And I shut the door. I was, I was so, I was so scared. So scared. So I called up the girl who connected me with my son. Her name is Rhonda. And I told her. So she started connecting with my ex-husband's spirit to see what she could pick up on. And she picked up on it and she said, oh my God, you're right. You're right. And she had to pull it over to where she was to try to get it to leave him. And she said the same thing. She said it came in. She talked, she, she described it exactly how it is. She, how tall it was, how big it was. And she had to do like a lot of prayers and stuff and ordering it to go away and stay away. I mean, it freaks her out. And nothing really scares this girl at all. At all. <laughs> and, you know, she tried talking to him, my ex-husband, about this after the fact that she said, you know, by everything you've said, by cursing God, by your lack of faith, by your lack of belief, you're inviting this in. And it now it now knows who you are. So even though I've made it go away, he can easily come back to you with all your negativity. You have to change the way you are, the way you think, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't. He never did. And you could tell that it had come back. And um, he wind up, it, it, it just got really, really so severe 
how nasty, I mean, terribly nasty was to my daughter. So literally to this day, they have no relationship with him. None. And everybody I know, because we were married a long time, everybody I know close to him, they've all isolated away from him. I, I, you know, I run into them from time to time and I hear and everybody around him, his sisters, his cousins, his mom, nobody wants to have anything to do with him. But he doesn't believe in this. Yeah. Go figure. So that's in that that's how they prevail. They prevail going, you know, by that person not acknowledging it, therefore not being able to get rid of it. But, you know, at, you know, everything I know of, like, that's the worst thing you can do is to just have a, a bunch of negativity, curse God, you're inviting the devil to come in. And that's just like, yeah, I, that, that was, that's probably the single scariest thing that's happened negative wise since, uh, you know, my eye opening. I would say even for people who aren't religious, that just negativity itself breeds negativity. Yes. And and I would say even if you're an atheist that doesn't believe that there's anything afterwards, I think most people believe that there are positive and negative energies in the world. And, and you know, I've always been one to believe that if you think positively, positive things will happen. Does that mean it happens 100% of the time? No, that's not the way life works. But I do believe that if you're a very negative person, that you just do nothing but attract other negativity into your life and it snowballs into a major negative effect. And, uh, you know, that's why I just try to tell people just have a positive outlook all the time, even though it's sometimes hard to do, you at least stand the chance of breeding more positivity than you do breeding more negativity. Yeah. You, you have to try to find the silver lining to everything and anything. And that's what I said. I, I mean, that that is the only, I would say, good thing that has come out of losing my son, that I've gained my faith. I've, I've gained my knowledge that there is God and there is Jesus and there is life after this. And there is no death. That's like the biggest lesson I've come to really get from this, that, that there is no death. So but let me... Uh... I, no, go ahead. I want you to finish no, your thought. No, no, go ahead. I, I want to end on this because I think this is has the opportunity to be a super, super, not only positive, but eye-opening uh, chat that we've had. There's a lot of people listening that have lost children that uh, or other loved ones that I'm sure have not had the positive experience that you've had. If you could say, if you could say a thing or two to parents that have been in that situation that may not have had or felt like they had those experiences, what would you say to them to try to give them some comfort? 
Well, I will, I will tell you this. Um, since this has happened, as I said previously, I've done a bunch of paranormal research. This has been since 2007. And along my journey, I've met and talked to tons of parents who have lost children. And one thing I've learned is a lot of people do not have my experience or sense of peace about the loss of their child. Meaning that they accept that it was just their time. Most people that have lost a child don't have that. And I think that they're busy, they're busy functioning with their human brain. And you need to step out of your human brain and think with your spirit, think with your soul. We are humans. I'm sorry. We are spirits having a human experience here. And when you look at it from that viewpoint, that we have a mission, that we come here for certain reasons, certain lessons. And then when we finish those, we're gone. And it's not... It's not anything against you. It's not that you were a bad parent. It's not that you did something wrong. Um, it's not personal. It, it, it's not personal. It was just their time. Try my, my biggest, my biggest thing that I try to tell people is don't take it personal. And the hardest time for them to get to you, to give you messages or to let you know that they're there and they're okay and that they're with you is when you're, you know, you're in your deepest grief and stress. When, when your brain is like that and your soul is not at peace and rest and it's like all super anxiety, they can't get to you. The, the calmer you are, the more accepting and sit down and pay attention, pay attention. It's the little things, it's the penny on the floor it's all of a sudden a song comes on that reminds you of that of that child that you guys love a smell my son loved spraying that daggone axe body wash spray <laughs> and i would just smell it you know they they some people have certain scents that I, they identify with pay attention they're there. That's what my son has told me to tell. Like, please tell them they're there. They're not dead. We're listening. And no matter where they're at, no matter where we're at, he said, we can hear you. So talk to us. Talk to us all the time because we hear you no matter what. And we will see you again. Wow. Uh, I don't even know what to say. This is... uh been without a doubt, I think the most emotional interview that I've ever sat through. It's uh positive, sad, and every emotion in between. And uh I appreciate you coming on and sharing that because I know that's had to be tough. I mean, I've <laughs> probably sat here and cried for 30 minutes listening to this. So thank you. Well, uh 
Well, thank you because I, I, if, if I can help one person out there, because it's the worst feeling in the whole world. It, like everyone says, it's a club nobody wants to be in, you know? And if I can help one person out there, one person, then I've done my job. And that's just been my mission ever since. Anybody and everybody I know that ever has this happen to them, I try to reach out, I try to help, because I want them to get to the place where I am. Well, I'm glad that you had the ability to be able to, to reach through uh, and battle through your grief to be able to try to help others because that says a lot about you and I'm I'm sure your son would be extremely proud of who you are. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Trina, thanks for coming on, babe. It's been an honor. Thank you.